by McQuano Coffee Roasters, McQuanoCoffee.com, coming to you live, and by that we mean recorded in advance, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, and Gut Check South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible Belt, it's the Gut Check Press Podcast, with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zachary Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good <laughs> look you just did the you just did the st of studio <laughs> uh, by my good friend my partner in radio my partner in publishing my partner in having a good thanksgiving zachary bartles yay how was your thanksgiving no oh, it was fine tell yeah, me about was... your thanksgiving <laughs> i know dude right that kind of conversation very strange I take umbrage. Do. Yeah, I take, uh, I take. Oh yeah, dude, that's going in the wayback machine. Yeah, that was a real guy. Yeah, whatever happened to that guy? I wonder. I don't know. My he he drifted out of my transom, as it were. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Yeah, some people do that. You know, like, and more, more, and more. Well, I mean, mathematically, like the older we get, the more people will have done that. I mean, you yeah. Granted, I mean? this one didn't die. It wasn't like a well, I'm no. getting older yeah, kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was just the kind of person that was like in our life for a little while and then not, you know? Yeah. And sometimes that's like, oh man, that sucks. And sometimes you, th- like six years goes by and you're like, oh yeah, that guy, he mm-hmm. existed. He existed in, I, I would say more often than not, it's neutral. You know, it's just kind of like, huh, yeah, like I was aware of that person existing. And then at some point I became unaware. Uh, <laughs> and then re-aware of them not existing so much. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Zach, you have a movie thing that you were texting me about. Uh, so we'll talk about this movie. We'll talk a little Rome. Uh, we'll just see where the episode takes us. But you had texted me regarding the 1995 movie version of The Brady Bunch. And I, I made an assumption. And the assumption that I made was that you had seen it. And that something brought it to your mind and you were just texting me kind of nostalgically about it. But a minute ago, you indicated that you hadn't seen it. Also on the text chain. Yeah, I have not seen it. My question to you is like, you've seen, you've seen a lot of movies. You know, you're a guy who I can count on to have seen a lot of things. Like, it seems to me that in 1995 or the mid-90s in general, that concept would have appealed to you. Like, why didn't you see it in real time? I, I feel like I thought I was too good for it. Oh, in yeah, go on. That's fascinating. Yeah. I don't know why I was not too good for Billy Madison then, but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I feel like I thought of it as like a movie for dumb people, like because it yeah. took this, uh, you know, beloved iconic thing and like turned it into like a, a bad joke. And I think at the same time, I also remember annoying people quoting the Marsha, Marsha, Marsha thing. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't realize it was Lumberg or I didn't yet know who Lumberg was, I guess, in 1995. Yeah. And Probably more that. Yeah, because that movie hadn't come out. Um, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I think it just was it, off my radar. And by the like, there's a certain thing about like if somebody recommended to me today the Chips Patrol movie with Michael Pena <laughs> and Dax Shepard and and yeah. um, oh good grief, with <laughs> Christian Bell, I'd be yeah. like, no, I don't feel like that's something you can watch anymore. Like I feel like yeah. that. It feels it feels more like a a Snapchat. Like if you didn't see it when it was in the theaters for a minute, it's just <laughs> yeah. gone. Or like the Stifler yeah. Dukes of Hazard, right? Oh, They're all yeah. kind of the same thing, the same idea that came yeah. and went and didn't seem to do very well, but they kept doubling down on it and now it's just done. 
Yeah. Can you rent it? Does it exist? I don't know. You probably can rent it. I haven't watched it in probably a decade, but I, I have a couple of things on that. Um, I want to start with Lumberg. Uh, so the, the guy that played Lumberg was this actor named Gary Cole. Um, I, he was in Office Space as Lumberg. He, he was, was in, in Frasier. Yeah, he was in Frasier. He was in the Brady Bunch thing as, as Mike Brady. I, tell me if you think this is crazy. There's a version of his career where if you play his career a hundred times, he ends up having like Bill Pullman's career. Yeah. You know, where, where he rips off three, four rom-coms as a leading man and you're like, oh, Gary Cole, that guy was great. I love that guy. You know, kind of the, the way people feel about Pullman. Mm-hmm. But instead, he did The Brady Bunch. He did Office Space, which is a cult classic. Veep, he's a big uh, presence on Veep. Yeah, I guess. He, so he has had a nice career. But I think he could have had like the, you know, the backup, like the the B level leading man rom com kind of run that that Pullman had. Your thoughts? I think what he had was better than that, and will be more enduring. Mm. Um, and and I'll tell you what's what's really funny is I remember shortly after watching Office Space, renting a mm-hmm. movie called A Simple Plan, which I yeah. think had Bill Pullman in it, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the guys was um, uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Remember him? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was about like two rednecks who come up with they like find a crashed plane with a bunch of money and they decide to take mm-hmm. it and then pretend they never heard of it. And near the end, this shadowy, scary killer shows up um, yeah. looking for the plane, pretending he's with the government, but really he's, you know, with the cartel or something. And it's Gary yeah. Cole. And that's outstanding. He is. He's chilling. He's like good yeah. enough to do that. And I think he plays he's in a few drama type things. And he's he plays like kind of if he you're not sure about them guys. But I think once you've seen, you know, yeah, if you can move a little to the left, that's <laughs> right. You can't take him seriously anymore. I think he he got typecast by the surprise runaway success of Office Space, like after the fact yeah. success. No, I think you're right. I think you're 100 percent right. Um, I want to talk about a tonal thing vis-a-vis the 1995 Brady Bunch. And I, I want to begin by asking you what your relationship with the show, The Brady Bunch, was. Mine was like, I remember in childhood it always being around. Yeah. Like, and this is back in even pre-cable, like network TV, childhood, like four or five channels. You flip one on in the summer, you're probably getting a rerun of of The Brady Bunch. And then, of course, on cable... When we all got that in like the early to mid nineties, it was it was kind of around all the time. And I remember having kind of this warm relationship with it where, you know, you could flip on ten minutes of it and it's like, Oh, I like the house. The seventies clothes are weird. Maybe Joe Namath shows up in an episode. It's kind of just like a fun hang. And then the ninety five movie came out, and tonally it was like both an homage to and a satire of the right. same thing. You know what I mean? Now, and from the preview, real quickly, um, sorry to, to butt in, but just to make no. sure I know what's going on. It was yeah. set in 1995, but the Brady Bunch was somehow still all stuck in the 70s? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they okay. were like sort of cosmically and in their emotions stuck in the 70s. So they're all wearing like polyester leisure suits. They've all got 70s haircuts. <laughs> it's but kind it's, of brilliant. It, it, it was, dude. So... Again, I haven't seen the movie in at least a decade, probably a decade and a half, but my recollection of it was that it scanned as very stupid, but it was actually kind of a smart movie. 
Okay. And, you know, it kind of had some things to say about the 70s. It had like weird sitcom, like sexual tension stuff in it, which was like in abundance in the 70s and 80s. I don't know. It was, it was kind of a smart like hat tip to all that stuff. And um, I, I really want you to watch it now so we can discuss it. Yeah, but, uh, I really want to watch it too. Here's my concern. Um, yeah. Watching the Brady Bunch as a, I don't know, 12-year-old yeah. um, awakens certain things. You know, there are certain sure. people for whom yeah. a young boy, he looks back and, and thinks, okay, that, that was a very pure, innocent kind of, oh, wow, I am yeah. enthralled with this woman. Uh, mm. I think for both of us, Linda Carter would be one of those. Uh, very much so. Very yeah. much so, yes. Um, just a beautiful, <laughs> strong woman. And, and of course, that's yeah. what we, we both kind of leaned toward in our, in yeah. our uh, yeah. later life. But Florence Henderson, um, an absolute, just uh, beautiful woman who also was America's mom, but yeah. also was more like your friend's mom who was, who was yeah. you know, attractive. And yeah. what got me on the Brady Bunch was uh, we're watching Cheers uh, season five now. We're okay. rolling right through it. And it's the last season with Diane. And yeah. I was just uh, kind of bummed about that, her leaving. And uh, even though it happened 40 years ago or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked up the Wikipedia page of Shelley Long to see how long yeah. she was out of acting, you know, raising her kids and all this stuff. Sure. And- I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize she played, <laughs> you know, Carol Brady on the Brady Bunch. And yeah. I, I wouldn't have cared. I wasn't obsessed with sure. Cheers in 1995, but it yeah. made me want to watch it now. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, we've got now Diane Chambers doing a spot on impression of Florence Henderson. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm strong enough, even as, yeah. you know, <laughs> a man of the cloth. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's good self awareness by you, <laughs> truly, and and you gotta you gotta know your limitations. But uh, no, I get it, and and I think, yeah, having her play a version of somebody who was so beloved, and not only pull it off, but like really really dial it in. And Gary Cole was perfect as Mike Brady. I don't know the casting in that movie; it really worked. Like tonally, it worked. I don't know. It's 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 this weird in some ways kind of forgettable 90s thing, especially in light of all the other 90s things that were kind of memorable. You know, you had all this stuff going on in film in the 90s, like Quentin Tarantino and like even... Right, Fight Club and this stuff. Fight this, Club. Like, breaking and like, new ground. And then there's all these yeah. rehashes, yeah. Yeah, then there's all these rehashes. And even there was big stuff that like we didn't like or I didn't like at least, like Forrest Gump, which I hated, but it was big for a lot of people. And, <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, th this movie kind of fit into this weird kind of low lower budget bucket of it's not art and it's not like a massive studio movie but it was just kind of a fun hang for two hours and uh i think if you watch it you'll um you'll resonate with it on that level okay i've got a you mentioned cheers and you know you guys are like plowing through cheers i bought the taxi dvds yeah at, at your at your suggestion got a great deal on them Maxim and I have been plowing through Taxi. He nice. loves Taxi. And I'm I'm realizing it's this is a laser specific thing and I want to know if you if you'd noticed this or took note of it as you watched. Dude, the sweaters in Taxi are unbelievable. It's a good sweater thinking, era, yeah. I'm yeah, I'm thinking specifically of like Alex Rieger's wardrobe 
And you don't think of Alex Rieger as like, oh, he's trying to be a fashion plate. He's not like Bobby. You know, he's not like trying to be this actor model type guy. He's just like the normal dude on the show. He's, he's kind the of the emotional. Of the, of the whole taxi dispatch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's the emotional center of the show. And yet, like, his sweater game is just unbelievable, dude. The thick neck, like, cardigans, the, the pullovers. Like, I have really been enjoying the sweaters. And there's like a a timelessness to them even though the show took place in the you know the late 70s early 80s i don't know it's really kind of a neat deal to me does it make you want to wear more big new sweaters it does dude yeah and it, it really makes me want to engage my current sweaters and up my sweater game i bought a sweater in uh in rome that i think yeah. you're going to be fond of i got a cashmere sweater there i'm i'm excited about it uh but yeah taxi in the sweater thing has been huge and we just um <laughs> Dude, we, we just watched the episode where, do you remember the one where Latka accidentally thinks that the apartment that he was renting was just $2,000 one time, but yeah. it was actually $2,000 a month? It's kind of sad. Yeah, but, but the apartment was really incredible. And, you know, Rieger goes over there to like talk some sense into him or to like talk to the landlord and get him out of it. And in doing so, Rieger falls in love with the apartment. And then they all just kind of, for two weeks or whatever, live in this world where they get to live like that. Um, I don't know. That show delivers so much of that kind of thing. It's just really delightful. And I'm, I'm really appreciating Alex Rieger as maybe my favorite James Burroughs character ever. Um, I feel like you could easily and seamlessly blend a Alex Rieger and uh, a uh, Elliot Gould persona together. Mm. Oh, I go on. Do know that based on certain things that your wife has really been enamored by culturally uh, <laughs> and dare I say religiously, that yeah. would be appealing to her on a couple of levels. Um, yeah. And I also know these are solid people who feel um, in 2023 like a kind of person no longer produced that mm. were much poorer for it. And yeah. like, when's the last time, and what's Alex Reed? What's that guy's name? Judd Hirsch? It's Judd Hirsch. Judd right? Hirsch, yeah. Yeah. When's the last time anyone was like, oh, you know, Harvey Weinstein, Judd Hirsch, Elliot Gould. <laughs> no, man, these guys were just like regular stand up guys doing yeah. work a day, awesome stuff that they, some of it was, will be remembered forever. Some of it, there are Elliot Gould movies that, that are just, garbage trash oh yeah but they're they're just like good solid guys from a time before all of the annoying stuff about the world that that you know we we spend all of our time bemoaning uh and i don't know i i think that that would be an interesting blend uh some sweaters some medallions dude you're you're giving me a ton to think about here and this is this is really good because yeah when i think about the kind of guy i want to be Growing older, I mean, apart from like all the spiritual stuff that we that we want to embody vis-a-vis sanctification, but just on a on a cursory glance, the kind of guy I want to be. Yeah, it's like Alex Rieger meets Ellie Gould, but Gentile, but but, but Gentile. That's right. Because <laughs> you can't right. have the whole thing. You can't have yeah, the whole. No, package. I can't have the whole thing. My wife couldn't handle that. It'd be too much for her. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now, is the way to to meld Alex Rieger and um, Elliot Gould to have a sweater made, a really nice, bright sweater of your own chest hair? 
<laughs> I think it is. I mean, I think ultimately that's that's where this whole thing is headed. You What's know. funny is with Cheers, like when they first introduced Frasier, he is yeah. the smoothest looking. Like him during the early to mid eighties, a a absolute mm-hmm. wasteland for pa- fashion is looking mm-hmm. so sharp. These very yeah. fitted uh, suits, three piece suits. Always, yep. I'm always like, dang, dude, he looks awesome. I wish I could pull that kind of deal off. I don't have the right body yeah. type for it, and it's 2023. But then within three or four seasons, he is looking so terrible, wearing the worst sweaters. Like, yeah. Cosby bad, but without that being part of the joke. Like, just, yeah. just as a canary in the coal mine of culture, you know, coughing and sputtering <laughs> and dying his sweaters are a, a travesty and yet uh, not too far off. You're, you're saying Rieger's wearing sweaters you'd wear today. Well, that's, that's what's interesting. And that's where I was going to go with it. So like, I think the late seventies were a real high point for sweaters, <laughs> but you, you get into like 85, 86 uh-huh. and it's a disaster, okay. you know, and you're, yeah, you're seeing Frazier with all these like horrible, like garish, like multicolored sweaters on and, so so here's my question. You and I both remember the 80s with fondness. And yet, what was it about the 80s and sweaters that was so bad? You know what I mean? Like, why, why was that aspect of the 80s such a disaster? But it was. Anytime you see a sweater from like, I don't know, 1984 to 1989 in pop culture, it looks terrible. They're having too much fun with the sweater, I think is the problem. It becomes, you know, the media is the message. And (laughs) in this case, maybe tone down the message, turn down the saturation, um, limit yourself to some some earth tones or something a little more neutral, uh, fewer geometric shapes, fewer animals, you know. Um, I think that... Here's something fascinating. You're saying late 70s, high point for sweaters. I would say 1990 is a cultural touch point for sweaters because that's Mm. when Big New Sweater is on the big screen. Am I right? That's right. In Die Hard 2, John McClane wears that roll neck looking just absolutely amazing. Uh, And then in between is this valley. Mm. And, And is it because it's between these two high points that it seems so low or is it really, you know, objectively that low? Yeah, that's a great question. Maybe it's because it's between the two high points. But I, I want to do another like kind of TV thing that I've noticed about Taxi. And, and I'm sure you've noticed this. This isn't terribly insightful. But like just watching all these episodes kind of back to back or doing multiple eps in a day like Maxim and I have been doing lately over this break. Like every character just has their uniform. Uh-huh. And, you know, Bobby's always got like the open leather jacket and the shirt unbuttoned down to his navel. And Tony Danza is the one that they do the least with fashion wise. He's just always wearing like a baseball tee with jeans. Yeah, very frumpy. Um, kind of frumpy. Yeah. Rieger's, Rieger's got the, um, you know, always like a really smart sweater and a nice pair of jeans. Uh, Jim Ignatowski is like denim on denim guy. You know, we're not going to talk about uniform. Nardo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't talk about Nardo, um, not on the air at least. Just the just the uniform, you know. And it and it made me wonder: Did every show have that? And I think Cheers did, but to a lesser degree. Like there was a there was a greater range of outcomes in terms of like what Sammy would wear to the bar. Cliff and Norm are always the same. Cliff and Norm are always the same. Frasier, there was a different range of outcomes. 
you know, you were maybe getting him in the three-piece suit or you were getting him in the sweater, depending on what he was just coming from. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, It's one of those subtle things that just makes you feel comfortable with a character, I think. And especially now, like, especially with, like, self-expression or the, the, the concept of self-expression being such a, a loud and baked-in part of every aspect of our culture... Seeing characters essentially wear a uniform on a show is like really weirdly comforting to me. And yes, I'm, I'm and I like it. that. I like it on a cartoon. I like it in a, a comic strip in the newspaper, and I like it on a show. Like yeah. once, I, I I don't like it when Cliffy's not wearing his his postal uniform. I don't yeah. like it when Norm comes in from painting and he's got like a smock on or something instead of that like yeah. very baggy tie and and sport coat. Yeah, yeah. I do think it, it uh, sets apart some of the you know showcase players. So Sammy mm-hmm. might come in you know in a tuxedo when he was dating the the city councilwoman and and you know slapping on the the aftershave. He might come mm-hmm. in looking you know really uh, ready for skiing or whatever. Like he he's going to indicate where we're going. But then mm-hmm. the supporting cast are all almost always going to be very predictably and it, and especially a show like Cheers. It makes you feel like you're surrounded by the most reliable people in the world. And that's part of the yes. itch that it scratches. Like they will always be your friends, even those who mock you and talk about your your dyed hair or how dumb you are. They still love you and they'll still be there doing that uh, yeah. forever. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, she, <laughs> when Woody was trying to make a, a signature cocktail, he said, <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going to be a household term. And uh, <laughs> Carla goes, you already are one doorknob. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so good, so clever. I'm in the run of Taxi, where um, like uh, Danny DeVito's character is just starting to date um, Rhea Perlman's character. Uh-huh. So it's like early career Carla, and there are like some vestiges of Carla that are kind of coming out in that character. Even though on on Taxi, she's much sweeter and much kind of more naive and kind. And uh, but it's it's fun to see her on screen, man. She's so good. Well, and you know that behind the scenes, they're falling in love and getting married in real life, which is really great. It is really great. Absolutely. Ab- Did they make it? Did their marriage make? I think it? they're still technically married, but don't live together, but won't say oh. anything bad about each other in the press. I don't, it's hard to say. I, Strange. I, I would love to hear a little. Uh, They've been fully reconciled and, and did a little vow renewal news oh, article. Oh, I love that too. By the way, if I worked at that dispatch, I think when uh, Louis De Palma said he had a phone message for me, but it would cost me a dollar, I'd be like, okay, but only if you put it toward, you know, like a new suit or something. Like we could <laughs> yeah. lean into that and, and try and help expand his wardrobe. Because, yeah, he, he's really hurting, uh, surrounded by pretty stylish cabbies, if you ask me. Absolutely. Yeah. Stylish people all the way around and Louis De Palma kind of, you know, hanging on to the vest and the the slacks. Um, absolutely. Who who do you think in the in the world of taxi you would be most inclined to be friends with? I think we've already uh, done this. And I said Nardo yeah. because I think she's hilarious. But yeah. now that we're talking about uh, later seasons when they've added as a series regular uh, Latka Gravis, I think probably Latka. He's yeah. he's a sweet guy. He needs a lot of help. Um, mm-hmm. I think I would never get tired of spending time with him and hearing his his Latka isms. Yeah. Okay. So this this provides a perfect bridge to uh, the Rome thing that I wanted to litigate. Did you go you. to Rome? 
I did. I, I went to Rome. I just got back. I was uh, I was there for about a week, and um, it was tremendous. Rome is an amazing city. Are you oily think, now? I'm. I'm not. I'm like <laughs> probably weighed down with pasta, but uh, <laughs> okay, but not oily. And and you should go. I mean, if if you ever get a chance to go to Rome, you should do it. It's it's fascinating on a a spiritual level, on an architectural level, on a food level. You sent um, me that uh, picture of this Roman uh, like cell, like dungeon, where the yeah. tradition says that St. Paul uh, was when before he was executed. That was pretty wild. Dude, yes, it was wild, and it was very profound, and it stood in very stark contrast to like everything else in Rome, in as much as... You know, you're paying to go to the Vatican and there's just this huge river of cash flowing through the Vatican and it's like one impressive building after another and like how many marble penises can you see? And, (laughs) you know, it's just like, you know, and you have this experience of like, like you and I have seen the Sistine Chapel ceiling in pop culture, I don't know, hundreds of times, probably we've gotten reps with it. And then you see it in real life and pop culture has a way of either making a thing more or less impressive in real life. And in a weird way, the Coliseum was more impressive in real life. It seemed bigger, but in, in kind of the inverse way, the Sistine Chapel seemed, it seemed kind of smaller Hmm. and it was very human, even though there were like thousands of renderings of Christ in the Vatican, there was no Christ in the Vatican. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, so it was very there you strange. go with that Calvinism, man. What's that? I think right. Um, but then, yeah, seeing this dungeon that that Paul was in, which was like, in a way, worse than I imagined it. Um, you know, because you always imagine things when you're reading scripture, and sometimes your assumptions are close, and sometimes they're way off. You know, we had that experience in Israel of seeing all these things in real life that we had read about, and and you know, yeah, Paul Paul's dungeon. Yeah, worse, you know, and and in the middle of this city that was sort of a a monument to what man can do. Um, you know, it was very it was a very humble place and uh it was profound to be there. But speaking of being the kind of person so to your point about being friends of Laka, um I'm always I I've historically been the kind of person who's been sort of a sucker when it comes to like giving poor people money. You know what I mean? I can see that. Yeah. I don't think I've ever witnessed it, but it, it tracks with what I know about you. Yeah. So if I'm like somewhere on the street and somebody makes some kind of an appeal, I don't know. I'm just kind of a, I'm an easy mark, I guess, for lack of a better term, which is embarrassing. I want to be, I want to be like the street smart guy, you know, but I guess I'm not. But anyway, it's day one in Rome and we're having this amazing time. We've just met all these great people from Rome International Church, which is like this little evangelical church in Rome, really sweet people. They've given us like a a reformation tour of the city where we've, you know, walked around and seen these different sites and huh. had all these profound, you know, kind of thoughts about it. And, you know, we ended the tour in this little society, this little library for like evangelical theological study in Rome with all these awesome dudes who were pastoring little churches around Rome. We got to meet him. It was super cool. So I'm kind of on a high, dude. I'm kind of I'm kind of flying. And there are like five, six people in our group. And we exit this little theological library and we and we go onto the sidewalk. And I'm kind of trailing behind. I'm the last one. And this dude comes up to me. He's like, hey brother, how are you? 
in. I was like, I'm great, <laughs> you know, and 95% of adult people would have known immediately that they were about to get <laughs> scammed or like asked for money or ripped off by this guy. And like what happened was my group, which included my wife, they all left me high and dry. Like they saw what was happening and they just ditched me. I feel and like part of your wife's role in your life is to intervene at exactly this moment. Exactly. Like intervene and say specifically. Yes. Intervene and say, hey, we got to get to that meeting or, you know, hey, we really need you up here or whatever. But nobody intervened. They left me high and dry. And before I knew it, this guy had slapped like, you know, two of these crappy bracelets on my wrist and was laying on a sob story about his, his daughter, his baby daughter. And, you know, I had I'd given him a few bucks. And then I got back to my group and they just started roasting me, dude. They just lit me up and they they savaged me. And I gotta tell you, and this this is this is there are kind of multiple elements to this, but this was sort of the strange part. I cut I kind of got mad and I pouted a little bit. <laughs> so <laughs> good. Yeah. So that was a thing that happened in Rome. Respond to it. I love it so much. Yeah. Shout out KK, the lovely KK. What a good person you are. Um, uh-huh. Ted deserved this. Uh, yeah. This is exactly the equivalent of uh, Johnny Shekels <laughs> and Ted backing <laughs> off and letting me get sucked in by the guy with the Yasser Arafat turbans and all the yeah. Pied Piper the flutes, flutes yeah. making yeah. little comments and side bets and jokes uh-huh. about how I was about to get just completely, this guy saw me coming. <laughs> Good. And you know what? If I'd have been on that bus... I would have probably, I would have probably joined in on the roasting Ted, and yeah. then I would have pulled out your uh, debit card and been like, "Look, you dropped this, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Yeah. That's spectacular." So, so you're saying it doesn't feel good? Is what you're saying? It doesn't feel good, and I, I think it's given me more compassion to like what I what I put you through in Israel. So, <laughs> Here's the know. thing: I I, I didn't. I actually do have remorse for not buying the Yasser Harafat hat. Um, <laughs> But I, I wouldn't take back uh, any of it. I, I wouldn't give back all nine of those those uh, little flutes. No way. Yeah. Uh, hey. I wouldn't pay less than $125 for the shofar <laughs> I'm looking at right now on my uh, yeah. study yeah. wall here. No way. Yeah. How did you how did you utilize the nine flutes? Like, do you remember how you dispersed them or where they went? I um, gave one to my father. Okay. I gave one to my son. Okay. And there are seven in my desk drawer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, if, if you go to Zach's church and you want a flute or you're just in the mid-Michigan area, dude, we should give the flutes away as like Patreon premiums or like we should find some other way to utilize your flutes so that, so that you know, you can uh, call it a good investment. Dude, I've got um, some uh, giveaways I'm looking to do for the patrons, but we'll save that for the, the Patreon app. There we go. Um yeah, dude. So I, I actually gave the bracelets away at the marriage conference that we were hosting. So I turned it into content. And Did you tell the story I, and everything? Or I told the story. I told it for ha-has. It got a lot of laughs. I gave the bracelets away to some people in the crowd. We, we made it work. Now, so, when you uh, told the story, did you acknowledge the pouting or was it too fresh? No, I acknowledged the pouting. Okay. See, that's, owning, yeah. the, owning that kind of thing. Yeah. It, it just, it does it. I mean, immediately it, it uh, takes all of the power away from those who might continue <laughs> to bring it up. Um, yeah. When we were at uh, Together for the Gospel, 
<laughs> the last one ever, right? Yeah. Um, I was there with a, a guy from my church, and we were meeting another guy that we know who, who at the time went to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. So he was he knew Louisville and and he yeah. lived there and everything. And <laughs> they were having breakfast at his house, and I didn't know him that well. And I said, "You go there." I'll go and get us some really good seats, right? So mm, I go yeah. to the uh, big convention center. I There's a, a massive, like, you know, uh, what do you call it? Exhibitors hall. And yeah. then you, there's like a, a velvet rope. And I went right up to the rope. And I'm like, I'm just going to wait here. And I'm going to get the best seats in the house, right? There you go. And yeah. uh, in the meantime... I'm like putting on the gut check Twitter, like, hey, I'm I'm here right by this velvet rope. Any gut check people want to pop over and say hi, I'd love to meet you. And I met like mm-hmm. four people. That was when I got nice. to actually meet the fourth Dave that day, several others. It was a blast. And uh, I, I sat there uh, and, and watched. And you know me and free stuff, Ted. I yeah. watched oh, yeah. people getting free stuff, but I didn't get it. Okay. It was a it was a real it was a, a you know sacrifice moment. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Finally they opened this. Uh, th- somehow a few like women with babies got in front of me, even though mm. I was there first. I'm like, fine. Uh, I don't like that. I don't like it either. Mm. But you know, I had a weird relationship with the babies at that conference. Um, yeah. I kept going up to, I had a big <laughs> bag full of books and I kept yeah. going up to like people holding babies and saying, Hey, you want to hold my, my bag for a minute while I hold your baby? <laughs> they all said <laughs> Yes. So that was fun. But anyway. Dude, you're a big baby guy. Oh yeah, dude. I got it. You're, you're, you're the biggest baby guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm That's a fascinating. real big baby. No. Uh. <laughs> no, dude, that I feel like that extends my life. Interacting yeah. with, uh, yeah, a little. Uh, we've got two on the way here at, at my church, and I can't wait. Aww. We do the uh, the baby dedications, not because there's any biblical precedent or, or doctrinal reason, yeah. but just so that I get to hold the babies and like Aww. smell the youth on their their heads. But, yeah, but I I get you know they open the thing, I get in there, and I. Pick a spot I think is perfect. It's like yeah. five rows back from Sinclair Ferguson and John Piper and everybody. And yeah. it's not right up front, so you're craning your neck, but it's also yeah. not behind anybody directly. It's right on an aisle. Mm. These guys come in, and immediately they're like, oh, my gosh, this is the seats? They're so close. Like, why are we way up here? Is there nothing better back there? And oh, wow. Dude, I got so mad. And I got yeah. so grumpy. I, got, I was yeah. like, like grumped, grumpified. And then, yeah. I, so I, I got up to go to the bathroom. I said, I'm going to go to the bathroom a minute. You guys can keep uh, complaining about how you don't like the seats. <laughs> <laughs> then I got uh-huh. back and everybody was like weirdly quiet. Yeah. And, yeah. and then like the speakers started and the worship was amazing. And like, we kind of forgot yeah. about it. Then we were in the car later and I'm like, how do I address this? Like, I, I don't, yeah. Yeah. I got to say, so I just said out of nowhere, Hey, you guys remember how I was kind of like a little b- about the seats this morning? I never did apologize for that. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I still haven't for the record, but at least I admitted it. <laughs> and that just That's takes great. it, you know, that takes the the weirdness out of the out of the scale. Yeah. You know, you gotta you gotta That's remove right. it. Yeah, you do. You gotta lance the boil, you gotta remove it, you gotta turn it into content. Lance you know, the boil. You, I like that, dude. I like that a lot. Yeah, you gotta kind of like acknowledge it so it, that's the weird thing about adult pouting though um <laughs> i think when 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 like <laughs> when kids pout they're not they're not so aware that they're doing it and they're not so aware of like okay i'm starting it and i'm stopping it but like when you're an adult like i got i got like 20 minutes into the pouting experience in rome and i was like oh no like i've got a I gotta like put the toothpaste back into the tube here. Like I've gotta, I've gotta 
A, dial back the pouting, and then B, immediately find a way to like make it funny and sort of salvage the salvage my my own role in the afternoon, you know. And that's that's kind of the push pull of adult pouting, you know. It's, <laughs> it feels good in the moment, but then there's a there's a lot you got to do with it. W- would you say? I'm trying to think of like situations that I pout in or the kinds of pouting that I do lately as an adult. Would you say you do a lot of it or a little of it or somewhere in between? I, I would say I try to do less and less. And it's more to yeah. do with, hold on, I'm going to shut this drawer. It's yeah. more to do with um, like seeing other people do it and like mm-hmm. having this realization of like, dude, that's what it looks like when a grown person like sulks. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. How about you? Yeah, I think I think my answer would be similar. You know, like I see it, I see other people do it, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I definitely don't want to do that. Um, but I I know that I do it sometimes. But Rome is like the the most stark example of it happening lately. You know, I got like 20 minutes into it, and I was like, oh no, I'm pouting. This is a bad look. You know, <laughs> the the MC is pouting. <laughs> yeah, as yeah, it exactly. were. I, I, there's also just like legitimately. Times when you're you're bummed about something and you don't feel yeah. like being the life of the party and you just feel like being yeah. a little bit quiet. And to people who are used to you being the life of the party, it might appear to be like, oh, this guy's like having a little pout or something. But I don't think yeah. you're obligated just because you're able to be fun, love and party guy to always be that. And yeah. there's a difference. I think I think in order for it to be truly pouting, you have to respond to somebody's attempt <laughs> to re-engage you with like a monosyllabic, shruggy, grunty. Uh, you know what I mean? Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's so good. That is that is the metric, isn't it? That's the parameter. Like, that's what makes it pouting. Like somebody tries to re-engage you. Somebody tries to throw you the little olive branch of like, hey, let's get some gelato or let's <laughs> like make a make a joke about something else, and you're just like, well, you know, I'd, I'd rather not. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're. <laughs> or you respond so, so let me let me take you back to episode 100 of the gut check okay. podcast that yeah. is when we watched waiting for guffman and uh-huh. we had like one of our very few snits oh good yeah that was so good dude. And when yeah. i went into the bathroom and i came back out and, and the movie <laughs> was already playing and i picked up the remote to rewind it <laughs> and and uh, somebody said okay that's good that's the beginning and uh. And I, I will hold to this day. I hit play, and I was at a weird angle, and it didn't play right away. And okay. it kept rewinding. And you said, <laughs> oh, don't tell me when the beginning is. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's just to refresh your memory. I turned and looked you right in the eye and said, oh, is that what's supposed to be what I'm thinking? And you said, yes. <laughs> and we looked at each other. Wasn't it? And I said, yep. And then I sat down, and we both, I think we both had like a, a moment of like, coldness to the other which could be conceived as you know some some pouting and then yeah. the very first funny thing that happened we immediately grabbed the opportunity to break the glass or lance the boil yeah. and yeah. make eye contact and laugh like aha we're back together <laughs> on this yeah yeah and i think that that's more and more what i try to do intend to do i i really can only think of maybe like within my family unit like maybe two times I've really caught myself like being a little baby about mm. something in the last couple of years. I mean, it yeah. happens once in a while. Everybody does. Sure. I'd rather sure. be the dad that like gets quiet when I'm mad about something or really disappointed or whatever than yeah. the one that rages and yells, right? Sure. Well, yeah. And, and it's like, it's this weird thing where, and you alluded to this before, 
like you and I are both probably in our respective circles of life, the people that other people rely on to be basically the fun, love and party guy, or at least like the conversational MC or the point guard, the guy that gets everything going. And there are just days or times in life where you don't feel like being that guy. And it's not a pout, but it's just like a mood. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to let somebody else score, you know, just because I don't have the energy or I don't have the whatever to do it right now. And I think that exists in a different category than pouting. But but I find more and more that I will, in an effort to not seem like I'm pouting, I'll almost over-explain that moment where I'll basically just be like, hey, I'm really tired. It was a rough day at work. Somebody else is going to have to kind of score all the points tonight conversationally because I can't do it. And, Which kind um, of presupposes that they were all looking in- exclusively to you. Yeah, which which may be like a kind of an a a holeish presupposition for me to. Make, I have the same know? one though. So yeah, yeah. it reminds me yeah. a little bit of uh, when Sam Rockwell comes into the suite on Made, and uh-huh. he's like, "Look, oh, I've had a hard night. I, you, I'd grease you, you know. I, I you know how I do, but I don't have any yeah. money." Uh huh. <laughs> there's a little. Exactly. There's a little. Uh, I've got the fairy dust, but I'm I'm not spreading it around. Kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Zach, we have the radio fairy dust though. We do. Um, and we've had it for some years now and this is no secret. It's not news to anybody that we have this. So I think we should wrap this episode at 42 minutes and then we can knock out a quick Patreon. Is that a thing that your day will allow for? Dude, my day is built around doing just that. I love this. I'm going to pout through the whole thing though. So be ready to carry the show. Wait, you're going to, you're going to pout through the whole thing. Oh yeah. Dude, I love it. And, um. I, I love, I know I just said I was going to end this, but I, I, I want to just affirm what you said about <laughs> how quickly we look to like bury the hatchet on the waiting for Guffman thing. Dude, that's that how we really, always are. We're not going to waste time. Our, our, our no, we're not going to waste time. time. Life's too short, yeah. dude. Life's too short to be at odds with one another. Um, and I'm definitely not at odds with you now. Zach, we've done what we always do on this program. We've wandered to and fro throughout. Some shows that we're watching, some sweater content, and some adult pouting. Um, We will see you. (laughs) Hey, you want to go get some gelato? That might be fun. (laughs) Next time. Then pay phone at your best friend's wedding. Call me in the middle of the night. Let's make a run for it and get lost